Blessed be the name of the Lord. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. If you have a Bible this morning, we'd like to turn to Daniel, the book of Daniel. If you have trouble finding that, find the book of Psalms and begin to work your way forward from the end of the book of Psalms and you will find Daniel. When you get there, Daniel chapter 11, please. Very good to have each and every one here this morning. I want to have a great service. Worship our God in spirit and in truth. Daniel chapter 11. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Daniel chapter 11 and verse 35 reads on this wise. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. And everybody said, Hallelujah. All right, you may be seated. The Lord bless you. I am. Uh, going to read a verse from the book of Revelation, chapter 3 in the book of Revelation, this morning. This is where the Spirit, through the leadership, was dealing with the congregations that are mentioned here, seven of them in the book of Revelation. And in chapter 3, this is where the angel spoke to the church at Sardis. And one of the things he said that I want to hone in on here this morning is verse 4. Revelation 3 and verse 4. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, in, you read with me in Daniel 11, as well as here, I do want to make something crystal clear, and that is that the reference here is a, a purity. When he said, for an example, they'll walk with me in white, it's talking about white linen as you read through the scriptures. It represents a purity as Daniel also did. So I want to make that clear to you. Key word here, worthy. And everybody said, praise the Lord. And everybody said, hallelujah. All right. I'm turning now, and I'm going to read something to you. I'll just read it. I don't want you to have to flip all over the place, for this is found in the Old Testament also. First chapter of 1 Kings reads like this. Uh, I'm going to begin with verse 50. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon, and arose, and went and caught hold of the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah, he feareth King Solomon, for lo, he hath caught hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear unto me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. Verse 52, And Solomon said, if he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not a hair of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. Everybody said, praise the Lord. When something or somebody is worthy, that means that they show themselves to have value. They have value. They are valuable. Um, even to the point that they're honorable and they're admirable in their behavior, their character. A uh, 
but we would say a worthy man and or a worthy woman. There are things in the Scripture, there, are, there is subject matter in the Scripture with regards to the word worthy. And in other words, there are things that God is looking at and He proclaims this to be worthy or He makes someone worthy. He makes, when He takes a life, a person or people, and they are in darkness. Is it not written that when God chose to come in the flesh, when the invisible God, who is a spirit, you cannot see, when He chose to show Himself visibly by manifesting or clearly showing and demonstrating Himself in the flesh, then the Bible teaches that that is when the angel spoke and said, this visible manifestation, this flesh, will be called the Son, and in Him will dwell the fullness of my Spirit right here in this body. And as this babe, this body, grew in grace and knowledge, and the time came for his, this flesh to be shown to Israel, the Bible teaches that the land, certain parts of the land in, in Israel, were referred to as that which sat in great darkness, yet when he came in the flesh, when he, like putting on the coat, he put on the coat of flesh, and he walked among men and women, boys and girls, that great light then sprung up among them. He began to teach people, and people began to respond. He came by Peter and James one day, and he dealt with them. They, uh, Matthew, and others, they dropped what they were doing. They turned their back on what they were doing, what was where their interests lie, where their time and their finances were invested, where their life was invested. Uh, nobody, none of us know how many hours we have on the clock. You know, you can take an old-timey clock and wind it, and it, it's just going to stay wound so long, and after a while it's going to wind down. Well... We don't know how long our winding is. We don't know individually how long we're going to uh, live here on earth. Uh, it is written in the Bible and talked about 70 years and then by reason of strength, 80. Uh, there is uh, references to things like that, and it's kind of an average, you might say. Uh, there are also scriptures that tell you uh, if you obey in the Lord, and you honor the God who is our Father and the church which is our mother and those that have this great experience and you honor your father and your mother then that your days might be long upon the earth. It is true that the Bible teaches that our obedience to the scriptures and our doing what is right in the sight of God would make us worthy of a longer life, a healthy life, a holy life, a happy life, a peaceful life. But that if we begin to rise up and rebel, if we recede into the darkness, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And so if we uh, find ourselves, shall we say, here has come this marvelous, that's a Bible word, light, this marvelous light, has come, and we have this opportunity as it shines in our hearts, okay? Not your physical heart that pumps the physical blood, but your spiritual heart, the seat of your thoughts, your intellect, and your emotions. And as this light, this glorious, marvelous light, much like the man who was known as Saul, Saul of Tarsha, and how that this man fought against the things of Jesus Christ. He claimed his religion. He claimed his, his piety. And he thought he was really something. And uh, yet the Bible teaches that God looked at him as being in his present state an unworthy man. A man that was lost and going in the wrong direction. So much so that God though, seeing that he could possibly do something with this man, that he knocked him down off of his high horse, if you please. 
whatever it was he was riding on, on the, on the way to Damascus. But he knocked him down to the hot, burning desert sand. And there he told him, he said, you're fighting me. You're fighting against me. You're persecuting me. Why would anybody want to fight against Jesus and his church and his program? It makes you wonder. But because many times people think within themselves, through their tradition and through their ambitions, and of course if you put a little bit of God to it, if you attach God to it in your mind, then it's just about in, in a person's mind makes anything they do or anything they say okay in their mind. People have been sent out with guns. Children have been sent out strapped with bombs. Uh, people have been sent out to do all kinds of horrible deeds and to do great uh, harm, so much so, but their religion tells them, and I did say religion, I didn't say salvation. Their religion, because religion is of man, salvation is of God. The only way I'm going to use religion with God would be a pure and undefiled religion, which brings you into salvation anyway. So... But I am saying that people get a little sanctioned from their religion and they're told in the name of, of God or some God that you can go forth and do these things and it'll be all right. Many people will break the commandments of the Lord and yet they'll use God's name to do it. No wonder that it is written that there would come a time when they would kill in God's name in the name of Jesus Christ, they would kill and think that they're serving the Spirit in doing that. How twisted up, what did it say, uh, rest, twisting and resting the Scriptures to their own damnation. How mixed up and perverted things can become when, we, when a person begins to take a stand against what is right. And here you have a man by the name of Saul. He's been knocked to the ground. Where is he going? He's in a direction that he's going to do harm. He's heading in the wrong direction. Now he looks good. He's got a nice suit on. He's riding something that's fast and getting him where he's going. He feels like he's got some authority in his vest pocket. And he's going to go forth. He's been talking to people. He's been in touch with people. And I'm going now. And I'm going to get these folks. I'm going to show them. But God decides to take a hand in it. And the mighty hand of God knocks this individual to the ground. And Mr. Know-it-all begins to cry out and say, Who art thou, Lord? And surprise, surprise, the Lord comes back and says, I'm Jesus, and you're persecuting me. You're fighting me. You're hurting the program. You're hurting people that are a part of my work here. You're putting people in in difficult positions. And so he said, well, what will you have me to do, Lord? Now, see, that's where we need to get to. We need to get to that place where it's, what will you have me to do? And then the Lord comes back and says, you're going to go to a certain place on a certain street, and you're going to see a certain person in a certain house, and it will be told thee what thou must do. Not what you want to do, not what you think, it should be done, but you're going to do what you must do. I'm going to put you in a position that, uh, you know, I have read in the newspaper, and that's the only place I've read it, uh, about people who engage in certain types of combat, and they, they learn different arts of combat, whether it be boxing or jiu-jitsu or some other form of arts in the fighting field. And, uh, but one of the things they learn, you know, in other words, after you kind of get the person in that position where you're in the upper hand, so to speak, well, then you have to put them, and you have to learn how to put them in a hold that is called a submission hold so that they'll tap the mat, you know. And uh, the Lord put Saul of Tarsha in a submission hold that day. He took away his ability to see. And he began to, 
feel around for somebody to lead him because he's now been told he's got to go to a certain place, a certain location. He's headed in the wrong direction. He's now being redirected. And the submission hold has been placed on him. He's tapped the mat, if you please. And he's heading now in the right direction, going for the right purpose. I've got to go here and I, it's going to be told me what i got to do. And I've got to do this. There, there's no way out of this for me if, if things are going to turn out right for me. And I need for things to turn out right here. I want to tell you, you need for things to turn out right when we talk about eternal things. You don't want those things to turn out wrong. Somebody used the word the other day to me, uh, trapped. Trapped. And I said, oh, the, the trap, feeling trapped here is nothing to be compared to the trap that they're going to find themselves in in eternity if they continue to head in the direction that they're heading. You don't want to, believe me, you do not want to go to hell. There is no reason that is worthy, valuable enough going to hell over. There's no argument. There's no anything that you could conjure up or dream up or get boosted up over that could uh, in any way make it worth it to you to trade heaven for hell, to trade what is spiritual and what is right and what is godly. You don't want to go to a place that you'll never get out of, but that you want to get out of. You don't want to do that. Now, Jesus has come, and he's brought great, marvelous light. He's, he alone could do what we need. He alone. And he did it. He suffered every kind of indignity, humiliation. Isaiah 53, read it sometime. All that he did for every human being, that flesh gave its life on the cross. That flesh prayed to the Spirit, just like, no doubt, sometime this morning you did. Somebody asked where everybody was, and the answer was, they're all in the prayer rooms. Well, that's where they need to be, don't we? We need to be in the prayer room before service. We need to talk to God before service. We need to uh, get our spirit right, our attitude right. We need to get ourselves in the flow of what God is about to do, and, and we want everything to be made updated and right with God so we can enter into His courts with thanksgiving and praise. And everybody said, Amen. You don't want to enter in with all this uh, consternation on your face and, and, and all this war in your heart and all of this confusion going on. You don't want that and making you upset and feeling vexed. That's a good Bible word. Feeling vexed. Your just and righteous soul, at least that God's trying to make it just and right, and you get vexed by the filthy lifestyle of this world out there. You don't want that to come into the sanctuary with you. You want to get rid of that under the blood in the prayer room with the Almighty as you communicate with Him and tell Him how sorry you are and how fleshly you are and how weak you are. You don't want to make a, do the fronting with God. You might as well just open up the back door of the place uh, where you've got the real thing going on and, and show God that through your words. That'll do you good, because God already knows anyway. But he needs for you to open the door. He needs for you to be honest. He needs for you to cough it up. He needs for you to quit fronting. He needs for you to remove every veil and every curtain and every door and be honest with him. It'll do you good. It'll do you good. Don't you know in the 12 steps in the AA, it starts out by saying, Hi, I'm so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. That's what they tell you. Open the door, in other words. They want you to acknowledge. Quit living in denial. Quit saying you're a good person when you're a bad person. Quit saying you got God when you know if that's God, we're all in trouble. Okay? Because that ain't God. God's not going to uh, put a gun in your hand. God's not going to put a, uh, a, some kind of a AK-47 in your hand. God's not going to send you down the road to kill people. That is not His church. That is not the body of Christ. 
He's not going to put prejudice and discrimination in your heart. He's not going to put hatred in your heart. He's not going to put war and violence in your heart. These things are not of the Spirit. These are fleshly things. The works of the flesh is what we want to get delivered from, okay? We want God to take adultery out of our heart. We want God to deliver us from fornication. We want God to deliver us from drunkenness and many other such like things. Craftiness. This is a world that will teach you to be sneaky and crafty and teach your children how to be like that. You don't want that kind of stuff going on. You want to get what Jesus is bringing. He's saying, I'm turning up the light. I'm making it bright here. And I'm going to give you specific directions. And I'm going to tell you what you must do. I'm going to make it plain. And I'm going to make it easy. It's not going to be a difficult thing. It's not going to take money. It's going to take faith. It's not going to take great intelligence. It's just going to take a humility and a want and a desire for the things that are righteous and right in God's eyes. All you need to do is start seeking and you're going to find it, the book teaches. You start knocking and he said, I'm going to open it for you. Come on now. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's not hiding from you. He's not hiding this word from you. He wants you to have it. He wants every nation every language, every nationality, every race. He wants everybody everywhere to have this. That's why. Because he so loved this world that he provided that flesh that would be on the cross that would shed his blood that you could be born again of water and of the Spirit that he would be the first fruits of them that slept. That flesh would be glorified and be the first one of many an innumerable number that will come out of the grave and that will be caught up to meet him in the air. And everybody said praise the Lord. So, you are given an opportunity. Now, I realize that, uh, you know, everybody's going to say, well, man, that's, that's what I want. I want that. I heard a man on the radio say one time, if, if all, it take, all it would take would be uh, being whipped and beaten and die on the cross and then be buried and rise again for all of eternity. He said, well, I'd take that in a New York minute. So I've called him up. It was the days before cell phones. I stopped, pulled over somewhere, found a pay phone, put my money in, called the guy on the radio station, and I said, um, I said, Mr. Cole, I said, you said thus and so and thus and so. He said, yeah. I said, well, I just want you to know many of us have. Many of us have availed ourselves to what God is offering we are doing it in a New York minute. We are jumping at it. We are happy about it. We have embraced it. We are believing it. We are baptized in Jesus' name. We are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we have taken advantage of it, sir. Click. Goodbye. Because I knew he was going to ask me if I was a preacher, and then I knew he was going to make fun. So I didn't give him a chance to do that. You know, being crafty, you catch him with guile. That's Bible. Hello. Matthew chapter 10 and uh, verse 36 here. And a man's foes. Oh, we're going to have some enemies. Everybody's not going to be happy that you're coming to the apostolic church of Jesus Christ. Everybody's not going to be happy that you get baptized in Jesus' name and get your sins fully remitted, forgiven, washed, sent away, remembered no more. Uh, everybody's not going to be happy that you're shining because you got filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and that the light is marvelous light is now in you and you're walking in that light. Everybody's not going to be happy that you're not going to the card table anymore. You're not shaking the bones down against the wall with somebody somewhere or you're not going to the movie theater to watch all the garbage or did I say that? Oh, I did say that. Yes. Yeah. If you want to if you want to see something, why don't you catch the vision of God? Why don't you let him show you something? Why don't you catch the work of God, the vision of that, and give yourself to what really matters and raise your children to value what God terms is valuable. Teach them. Uh, the Bible teaches very plainly. Teach them, according to 1 Peter chapter 3, that they can win people. And sometimes they wouldn't even have to use chapter and verse. That they could win them by their lifestyle by their conversation. 
because you can find yourself in situations where a lot of chapter and verse and, and people think you're just preaching to them, like me. They think you're just preaching to them. So you have to back up that preaching, if you please, or that witnessing with a valuable lifestyle. He said the women would be a certain way, and he went right down the wire what they should have in their lives and what they should not, therefore, have in their lives. That there will be a certain look, you know. I mean, if you're going to be a biker, man, you got to get you some leather. There's a certain look. Get a certain pair of boots. Little thing with the buckle on the side. Probably got to get you a patch on the back, you know. And uh, more likely a kerchief and tied around there, you know. And, oh, yeah, and then there's the shades. Don't forget the shades. And most importantly, you got to get the Harley. <clears throat> you got to get that, you know. And there's a certain look. Nobody has any problem identifying what that is. That's a biker, man. You know, you don't have any problem. He wants you to look at him and, and for you to readily identify he's a biker. Then we read about... Uh, well, maybe I didn't read this. This was actually told to me just the other day, uh, but I have read before other cases. But this one, that a, a woman covered the last part of her skin with a tattoo. I said the last part. Every other part of her body, every square inch of her body is covered with tattoos. Close your eyes, tattoo. Everywhere, tattoo. And it was it made the news, evidently, in the paper and on the radio that uh, uh, she had gotten the last part done, 100%. I don't think anybody's going to have any trouble identifying what she's into. She's into tattoos. You know? Yeah. She's all about the tats. You get my point. If you get the Holy Ghost, if you get baptized in Jesus' name, then there's teaching so that you're going to have a lifestyle. You're going to have a conversation here, not just a verbal conversation one to another. Yes, about talking about God, you're going to have that. Yes, you will. But you're going to have a conversation, meaning a lifestyle or a style of living. You're going to have a certain way of walking. You're going to have a certain way of talking. You're going to have a certain way of thinking, okay? You're going to have a certain look about you. So when you get the Holy Ghost, you get baptized in Jesus' name, they're not going to be trying to debate, is that a man or is that a woman? Is that a guy or is that a girl? And I have seen some cases that I really didn't know. wasn't sure. But you know, you get baptized in Jesus' name and you get the Holy Ghost and you start growing in grace and knowledge in this conversation, this lifestyle, and by that, your, your teachings of the Word of God are applied to you. So much so to where God said, this is how holy women adorned themselves in old times. And he said, and in his sight, in God's sight, said it was a great price. It was worthy. It was valuable. That's how God looked at it. Now what God values is what we need to value. The way God wants it to be, that's the way we should want it to be. We want to learn about our God. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, learn of me. Learn of me. Teacher. We know you're a teacher come from the Spirit. Teacher. Disciples said, teach us about prayer. Teach us about this. The teacher comes. One of the ministries in the body of Christ is the teacher or the teaching ministry. We want to learn these things. Notice that he says here, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He, this is in the Bible, if you want to look, it's Matthew 10, and I'm in verse 37 now. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me 
is not worthy of me. Now we want to be worthy of the Lord. We want the Lord to say that we're worthy enough that He's going to take us. We're going. We don't want Him to overlook us. Now when we get baptized in Jesus' name, and all of our sins are forgiven and sent away, and we get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and we speak forth, we believe in our heart, we believe in our heart, and the Holy Ghost enters that believing heart, and then we, through His speaking through us, we begin to confess with our mouth. Oh, you thought it was just saying, I believe in you, Jesus. No, see, that's not, I take you as my personal Savior. I accept you, Lord, as my personal Savior. See, those things aren't in the Bible. That's not the biblical example that we have. But we do have an upper room filled with about 120. And the Bible said there came a sound from heaven. And that's where you want the sound to come from. That's some music you want to hear. That's your favorite band right there. Okay? You don't need the Jonas Brothers. And you sure don't need Beyonce. I got right down there, didn't I? Oh, yeah. And I got nothing against any of these artists personally. They all need to be baptized in Jesus' name. They all need to get the Holy Ghost. Okay, thank you very much. But uh, they're not to be your role models. They're not of value. How can you say they're not of value to God? Because they're not baptized in Jesus' name and not filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to get down to where it's at. You've got to get down. You know, it's like I had a neighbor over here, and we saw him the other day, and it's been 20 years ago. Now, he's, now he got older meaning he got fatter. <laughs> and uh, I remember when he was just a kid, and he used to mow the lawn here. And all of this, there was no sand. All of this was, was Belglade grass. And you know what that means. You cut it, and he did. He said, you know, I, I learned something out there, preacher. He said, when I cut the grass for you that time, he said, it started raining. And he said, and, and it started raining hard. And he said, I finished cutting the grass, and when I came from way out there and coming back, he said, I forgot to turn the blades off. And he said, so the grass I cut, I cut it again and left a path behind me in what I thought was already cut grass. That's how fast it grows in Belglade. Give it a little water, and it's grown up behind you as you're cutting it. He said, man, I learned to turn those blades off next time. He said, then I had to go cut all that section again. So, so anyway, I, uh, I remember as he was, he was probably about a 16-year-old young man then, and he lived right on the corner over here on 14th Street. And uh, his dad and his mother and he, unfortunately, uh, they never threw anything away. And their yard showed that. And so they asked me to come over and help them clean up their yard and their, their shed and everything. And, and I'm looking around, and I said, okay. I said, um, this goes, this goes, that goes. No! No! Every time I said something goes, they said no. And I said, okay, I'm done here. I said, what you need is a decision maker, at least one you're going to listen to. And I said, obviously, you're not going to listen to me. I said, so I'm gone. And I left. And we parted friends, but, you know, that was the way that was. You know, there's a lot of people that deal with that sin in their life just that way. Because, and people who bring the sin into their lives, the influence and the trapping and the handcuffs and the tying up the heart, there are people. And Jesus said, sometimes your foes are going to be of your own household. Now, you know, the Bible teaches that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword and that it will pierce even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. Okay? I mean, it gets right down to where you live. And it can make the finest cut better than any surgeon's scalpel. And he said here, if you love your father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. Woo! That's in the Bible. Sounds like some pretty getting down, rough, hard preaching right there. Right on it. And he said, uh, he went on, he said, son or daughter, same thing. What that means, now let me explain that to you so you don't run out of here and, you know, go home and 
tell your wife you hate her or something. Or, you know, yell at your daughter or something like that. Okay? What that's telling you is that you have to choose the way of the Lord above everybody else. You have to turn, be willing to turn your back on contrary ways to his way. Further was shown when they came to him to tempt him. Oh, they were trying to catch him. They were going to get him, catch him in his words. How many times did they try to do that? And they said, um, hey, is it, is it right for us to give tribute to Caesar? Now, Caesar was the ruling power of this world in that time, the known world. And Jesus said, why tempt you me? Oh, he called him right out. He just put it right out there. You're fronting. You are pulling a stunt here. You're not sincere about what you're asking and doing. You're not seeking truth at all. You just want to catch me. Surely there's something better for you to do in life than to catch me. And so he said, why don't you bring me a coin? Somebody produced a coin. He said, and uh, whose superscription or whose face is that on there? And they said, well, that, that's Caesar. And they said, well, then, I'll tell you what you do. He said, you render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. He didn't teach them to be uh, insurrectionists. He didn't teach them to go against the, the, the powers that be, uh, to willingly go against it and, and to uh, be some kind of revolutionary. He didn't teach them that. He said, you... You go ahead and render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. He said, and you render to God the things that are God's. They couldn't catch his words. Missed that pass. Whew. Burned a hole in the gloves. Gone. Didn't get it, man. They couldn't catch his words. They couldn't, they couldn't deal with that wisdom that comes from above. That's first peaceable and pure. They couldn't deal with that. And that it's without partiality. It's not one thing for one person and another thing for another person. Oh, no. This is without partiality. This is for everybody. This is for whosoever will. And everybody said amen. amen. You know, there's a lot of things that you've got to be willing to turn your back on. And surely this shows us how close it can get. Right down to your family. But if your family is showing themselves to be unworthy, then that's their choice. If your family turns itself against God, then that's their choice. You are not going to help anything by throwing in your lot with them. You're going to have to learn how to go the way of the Lord. How did it say at one place? It said, um, I'll follow you, Lord. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And the Lord said, Okay, let's go. He said, well, can I go first bury my dead? I got a funeral to go to. Some people are more adept to go into funerals where there's death than they are to go into church where there's life. Some people will use all kinds of events to go to and look like they're avoiding the responsibility of living for God. You better tell yourself, if this person takes a stand against what is right, what I know to be right here in this book, then I've got to choose Jesus over that, no matter who it is. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm going to be ugly. It doesn't mean that I'm going to punch anybody out. God forbid. It does not mean that I'm going to go on some active hate campaign here, okay? Not going to do that. Jesus doesn't teach that kind of hatred, all right? The only kind he teaches is you hate what's wrong. You hate the devil. Okay, you can, you can hate him with a perfect hatred because you don't want the devil to have anything in you. You want him to know that what's of him, you don't want it. Okay, and sometimes he, the devil, is the one that's working in the son or the daughter or the mother or the father. I think I've told you about the, the church that uh, was started in California from one of our churches, just like we start Daughter Works. And uh, they mothered that daughter work, just like we do. They provide the finances for that mother 
from that mother church for that daughter work to get it up and running. And they got a, uh, a, I think it was Cambodian church going because it was a large population of Cambodians out there in that particular area. And uh, they had a Cambodian young man that was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, sat under the, pre- the, the pastor and got the teaching, got the training, and they stepped out to start a daughter work, and they put him there working under them, and he went to work. Well, one day, one day, they invited a young, a young lady, and uh, she came, and she got the Holy Ghost. She got baptized in Jesus' name. She was so excited. And when she went home, her father forbid her to go back, said that she could have nothing to do with that church anymore. And so at night, she'd get under the covers with a flashlight and she'd read the Bible. And one night, she opened the window. She slipped out. She went to church. And one day, she turned 18. You know what I'm talking about, Mark. One day, she turned 18. And she just said, that's it. Mom and dad don't want it. Family don't want it. But I got it. And so that's their choice. As far as I'm concerned, they're leaving me. I'm staying with this. She married the young man that was doing the church work. She became the pastor's wife. Everybody said praise the Lord. What all you could miss because of I'm going to be more loyal to my family than I'm going to be to my family. Might want to take a good look at what's really important here. What's really important is what thus saith the Lord. That chapter and verse, that subject matter, that call of God, that work of the Lord. And everybody said amen. And everybody said praise the Lord. You know, there are many, many scriptures in the Bible and subject matter. Some subject matters are more, more, more meat, more chapter and verse. Others are scants, or as they used to say, scarce as hen's teeth. But uh, in, in Luke chapter 20, everybody said, praise the Lord. It said, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead. And I could go on with the rest of it, but I want to just deal with the word worthy here. They, they that are accounted to be valuable. You know, when you get baptized in Jesus' name, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you are counted as a worthy of the Lord. Okay? Because now you have this valuable of great price Holy Ghost in this earthen vessel. This treasure, the Bible says, is in this earthen vessel. Everybody said amen. Okay. But the Bible also tells you that at the end, he's going to recount his worthies. And that's what's going to bring us to a scripture here. Uh, how about Ephesians 4 and 1? Ephesians 4 and 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy. Walking worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Let me say it to you this way. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you lead a life worthy of divine calling. This is not run of the mill. This is not brand X. This is not also ran. This is not man's idea. This is not denomination. This is not religion. We are talking about the calling and the salvation of Almighty God, whose name above every name, every title, is Jesus Christ. You've got to realize just what kind of treasure you have. What has really been invested in you when God starts to invest the truth in you. When somebody from the church knocks on your door and begins to teach you the truth of the Scripture. 
Not knocking on your door because of an organization. Not knock, knocking on your door to give you their spiel that they've been taught by somebody that has no representation or little representation in the Scripture. No. But the truth is brought to you. The truth is brought to you. And everybody said amen. amen. And everybody said praise the Lord. And everybody said hallelujah. I am saying to you, you want to walk worthy. And you want to tell yourself that you're going to find yourself tried and tested. Second Peter, I want to give you a scripture from, from the writings of the word. And actually, I don't want Second Peter. I don't think I do. I want to turn your attention to 1 Thessalonians is what I would like. Everybody said amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I'm going to give you verse 12. He said that ye would walk worthy. Notice the same terminology. Walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. Everybody said praise the Lord. And he went on to say for this cause, because he's called me, because he's given me this opportunity, because he's allowed me to be baptized in his precious name and washed in his precious blood, out of billions of people that he has given to me the truth here. And some people have a lot of trouble with that. Everybody can't be wrong. Oh, everybody can be wrong. <laughs> everybody can be wrong. How many were wrong when he walked the face of the earth? How many were wrong when they crucified him, beat him, spit on him? How many were wrong? Well, I will grant you that the Bible teaches and sheds some beautiful light that there's going to be in the final analysis, final analysis a number around the throne that no man could number. That a few out of each generation will add up to a number that you can't number. I'm glad about that. But you do understand that unfortunately many more people are going to choose to say no. They're going to choose the things of this life and this world. And they and consequently will not be found worthy to be in that resurrection and to spend eternity with Him. And it will be of their own choosing because the things of this world and this life, they will decide mean more to them, that they will live for the short term and consequently lose out in the long term. You've got to tell yourself, if you're going to be found worthy, then you're going to have to realize that in the time in which we are living, listen again to what Daniel said. He said here, and some of them, He's talking about them of understanding. That means them that have the truth, them that have the insight. He says some of them are going to fall. Everybody, unfortunately, that has been given the truth is not going to stand. You've read in the Bible about how persecution would arise and that people would give over to it and they would wilt and under the burning heat of, of trial and temptation. He said, and some of them of understanding shall fall to try them. Your test is going to come. Your trial is going to come. And sometimes it comes, you know, in measure, and it, oh, that wasn't so bad. Well, good. Good. Then your strength measured up to that trial and that test. But there's going to be some things that are, are going to be trying times. And one place in the Scripture talked about you find yourself in heaviness if need be that it, things are going to get a little rougher. The heat's going to get turned up like the Hebrew children, ten times hotter. Okay? And so he said, some of them of understanding shall fall. What about the people who trusted in those people? Listen to those people. Well, let me tell you, if it's in your heart to do something else, I mean just the smallest little thing, in your heart. Satan's going to know about it. And it's like somebody said one time that they were, they were going to leave. 
people really make some foolish statements, of course they do. But what they don't realize is that they, they'll say, well, that's why I left. And they'll come up, you know, when, when you leave, people are going to say, why'd you leave? And, of course, you're not going to say, because I did wrong. Oh, no, you're not going to say that. No. People don't say that. No. This is when the fabrication starts. This is when the lying starts. This is when the fish becomes the fish. And uh, what happens is they left, people leave God and his church and his teaching, not for any, there is no legitimate reason. There is never going to be a good reason to leave the truth. You hear me? And in so doing, though, what really happens and what really gets revealed is that people do what they do because there's something in their heart that they've been wanting to do. And they wanted to get away from accountability. They wanted to get away from that submission hold that God knows we need in our lives that will keep us under subjection. You read about the Apostle Paul, and he likened it unto an, Olympic, an Olympian. And he said, how that I discipline myself, I keep my body under subjection because the flesh is weak, right? And because in the flesh dwells no good thing. And because the fleshly carnal mind is an enemy of God. So I've got to keep all of that. I've got to get all that under subjection. I've got to keep, I've got to die to that. And Paul said, I die daily. He said, some folks are running around footloose and fancy free and, and acting all every which way. And they're not sober and they're not, they're not watchful. And he said, uh, and they find themselves then in, in acting silly. The Bible did even talk about silly women led astray. Did say that. And he's saying, I protest, he said, at the way you're acting. I protest about how they're acting and, and carrying on. He said, I die daily. <laughs> I want to make it. I want to be counted worthy. I want to have what it takes in the Holy Ghost to say no to whoever I have to say it. You know, truth will separate the cheapest of friends. Truth will do that. You're going to stand for what's right. You're going to be true. Everybody said amen. amen. So some of them of understanding shall fall. And it's going to be to try them, to test them, and to purge. You've ever read about spots in the feasts of charity? Trees without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the root. Clouds without rain. It's in your Bible. Read Jude sometime. It's a small book, power packed. He said, uh, said to purge. Jesus said, you're going to abide in me. My word abides in you. He said, you're going to bring forth some fruit. And I've ordained you to go and bring forth fruit. Okay? He made that clear. And, but you can, you can find yourself, if you're not careful, you can find yourself where you're not connected properly. Too many people worried about being connected to things they don't need to be connected to. All right? You want your, your connection to be in the spiritual realm. You want it to be connected to the vine. And you want the spirit to be the farmer or the husbandman that's taking care of dressing the vine, working with the vine. And you want to stay connected here so that you can bring forth the fruit. And if you don't, then there's nothing left but to purge you, to cut you off, to uh, take the old knife and cut off the dead branch. And you know when you, you can ask Brother Weekly, he knows a lot about that. You cut off that, that dead branch in that tree, and what you're doing is then you're causing the nutrient, the vitamin, the, the healthy stuff, the good stuff, then will flow to a healthy branch that is bearing fruit. Whereas Jesus said he cursed one tree and it withered away and died and the disciples were amazed. But he did it because it didn't show any promise of fruit. All the branches were dead in that particular one. And nothing was showing any promise. So we got to cut that down. Why take up space? Why take up ground with that? He said we could get somebody else here. We could bring a better planting in here. And that one will be 
fruitful and do what the Lord is saying to do because that one is valuing what this is showing to be a worthy plant, a worthy man, a worthy woman. And everybody said amen. amen. And it's important here because he said to purge and to make them purified even to the time of the end. I want to tell you something. I want to help anybody. Now, there's nobody here like this, of course. But, you know, when you're out there talking bad about me, I want to tell you in advance, thank you. Because the Bible said, beware, told me to beware when all men speak well of you. Must not be doing something right. You know, if you're in there for the, for the king and you're duking it out with the devil, you know, and you're preaching it right, then they're not all going to speak well of you. So, in advance, you have my thanks. Okay? Just don't you be one of them. Okay? You make sure you're not one. All right? You don't want to be the one that gets caught. You know, the only, if God sends us to catch a fish with a piece of money in its mouth, that's okay. But don't let me catch you with filthy conversation in your mouth. Don't let me catch you or it gets brought to my attention that you're, you've got the wrong words coming out from the wrong thoughts, from the wrong influences. You might want to tell yourself that there's going to be a trying, there's going to be a testing, there's going to be a purging. And this is at a time of the end scripture here, okay? And he said, this is prophecy, and he said, even to the time of the end, he said, because it is yet for a time appointed. We're in the the final leg of the race here. It's a relay race. It's a relay race. We're a common faith and a common salvation. And if you just want to pick it up from the beginning of the New Testament church, Acts chapter 2, right there. And they started running this race. And they passed that baton on to the next and to the next and to the next. And here we are, 2,000 years down the road, the church has been standing, preaching, teaching, and going, reaching into all nations and all races and all languages, bringing this message. What message? Acts 2.38 message. Continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Jesus gave it to the apostles. The apostles gave it to the church. And the church began to take it to everybody everywhere. That's why when Saul became the apostle Paul, one born out of due season, there was a house for him to go to where he could hear it right. There was a preacher that could be sent to tell him right. And the blindness could leave. And he could see again. And he could call upon the name of Jesus Christ, washing away all of his sins. And become the apostle. Become a vessel. That could be used of God. Worthy. So he went from unworthy to worthy. Because of this experience. And because somebody kept running. Somebody took that baton. I'm sure that in years and years ago when I was a young man, I ran relays. But I'm saying I'm sure that men in Olympic caliber running relay, nothing could be more humiliating and disappointing that when the baton is handed to you, whether his fault or your fault or a combination, that it drops to the ground. The race is over. Disqualified. That's it. The Bible teaches that we don't want to let one word of the Lord drop to the ground. We want to believe this book. We want to run this race. And it comes down to disciplining ourselves. We've got to bring ourselves under discipline here, under control here. Everybody said amen. amen. So here's this fella in Solomon's time. Solomon has been promoted by God to the throne. Solomon has a whole kingdom under him that he's responsible for. Got a lot of people. But you know, everybody in the kingdom wasn't for Solomon. And so here's this guy, and he knows in his heart, oh boy, I have run my mouth. My tongue has been so long it could stand right here and lick the clock off the back wall. Man, oh man, I know I've said it wrong. I know somebody's going to say it and tell him. And so what does he do? He runs to the church house and he goes to the altar and he grabs a hold of it. 
And word gets sent because he says, you go tell Solomon, I ain't coming out of here. I ain't coming out of here because I, I know he's going to slay me. And so they, they sent the word to Solomon, and Solomon said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, if he shows himself to be a worthy man, then not one hair of his head going to hit the earth. He said, but if he doesn't show himself to be worthy, then it's all over for him. God has given us a chance to be counted among the worthy. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise I'm going to conclude, and I know I'm over time. But you know all those days I went short? I'm making it up. Get some of mine back. Luke 21, and I'm going to read to you, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And if um, Alex, you want to take that out of here? I'm in Luke chapter 21, and uh, this is what it says in verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time. He said, take heed to yourself. It's a time for you to check on yourself here. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts, you know, did you ever do that? Hey, what was I thinking? Okay, take heed to your hearts, to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. That's excessiveness and excessiveness, okay? With surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. That's that first resurrection day. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye be not, that ye may be, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Everybody said, praise the Lord. And in the daytime, he was teaching in the church. That's what he was, what I'm reading to you is what he was telling the people. That's what he was telling them. So, it boils down to, if we're going to be worthy in God's eyes, we're going to live. And if we're not going to be worthy in God's eyes, then we're not going to live. We have a great and wonderful opportunity here. Let's walk worthy. Let's walk worthy. You have to get the value here. In the eyes of God, in the sight of God, it's a great price. It's so valuable. And he's saying, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you the opportunity here to be baptized in my name and all your sins forgiven. Come, let me baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all of your sins. And let us pray for you and God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's lift our hearts with our hands, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise and I give you glory, Lord. I bless your holy name. I need your holy touch. Oh, Lord, anoint my mind. Speak to my heart. Minister to us, Lord. Help us to do your will. Hallelujah. Come on now. You're worthy to be praised. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. You're worthy to be praised. They make you worthy. Hallelujah. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. You're worthy to be praised. I lift my hand 
Hallelujah, you're worthy. 